Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to episode 88 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer scenes from across the country. I'm your host, Brian, of course. And uh, as we enter a new month, we've got a new featured city, a new slew of breweries to talk about, a new bunch of beers to drink, and of course, a new co-host. So please welcome my good friend, AJ. AJ, you want to tell us a little bit about your background with beer? Uh, Sure thing, Brian. uh, Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, I'm AJ. I am a uh, operations coordinator for our uh, sister company, City Brew Tours. I've been a beer tour guide since 2018. I've been a home brewer since 2016. uh, And I've been a fan of craft beer for way longer than that. Um, I think the first brewery tour I went on was Dogfish Head when I was like 12 or 13, down with my dad and my grandpa down in Rehoboth, uh, Milton, Delaware. Um, been a big fan of craft beer all through college, frequented places like Victory when I was going through Westchester. Uh, and I've been a longtime listener and a first-time caller here on Bruiseless Traveled. Uh, and if I understand correctly, I think we have an anniversary coming up. Is that right, Brian? Anniversary. Uh, yes, you did. You do have that right. We do have an anniversary. I started hosting this show a little over a year ago. Uh, technically, February 2nd was the first episode that we did. So uh, this is like an anniversary episode for us. Not not going to make a big deal out of it, that's for sure. But, you know, before we jump into things, I do want to say thanks to everybody who's helped make the show what it's been through this past year. Uh, shout out to our producers, Julie and Laura. They're always awesome. Shout out to our marketing manager, Franny, who all's always busts his butt putting together the great materials that we include in our awesome beer club subscriber boxes. Uh, shout out to the whole fulfillment team that gets those boxes ready to ship them out to everybody, um, including me. And uh, you know, shout out to all the co-hosts, the breweries, and the guests that have made uh, each show great. And you know, of course, shout out to our listeners who join us every week and and you know give us great reviews on the podcast and share it with their friends and really help grow this show thank you all and a very very special thank you to the beer club subscribers this show would not be possible without you yins keep the lights on and now because it's a new month we've got new beer club subscribers so a very very special shout out to our new beer club subscribers how yins doing thanks for joining us but this month we're featuring the great city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, a, a city that I really knew nothing about before uh, preparing for this month's episodes. I knew it was featured in season two of Fargo, and that's where Lou Salverson has had his run in with the Gerhardt crime family and was saved by a UFO, as I alluded to last week. Thanks to everybody who got that reference, the, the, the two people other than me that that got my silly reference last week. To kick things off, we're featuring Covert Artisan Ales and Cellars, a brewery founded in 2018 on the west side of Sioux Falls. The founders, Stacy and Dan, spent nearly 15 years working for the Department of Defense, and the name is a reference to their background in the intelligence community. We're going to be drinking two awesome, awesome classic styles from there. Uh, from them, we have a Rogan beer as well as a Tamave Czech style dark lager. Yeah. And I believe we are going to be joined today by a guest from Covert. So would you guys all help me welcome the co-founder and brewer of Covert Artisan Ales, Dan Berry. 
Dan, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Thank you, Dan, for joining us. So let's get started with our quick sip questions. These are fast questions. We want fast answers, and these will help us get to know you fast. So are you ready? Sure. Cool. Uh, favorite non-covert beer? Like style or from brewery? From a brewery, yeah. I love sours, so I mean, it would be kind of a, there's a sour and a stout. So if I had to choose one, it would have to be something from probably 50 North from Cantillon. Oh, great beer. Uh, West Coast IPA or New England IPA? New England. Okay. We've alluded to your background in the intelligence community. Favorite military movie? None of them are really accurate. So, Jeez, <laughs> um, these are why well, I guess I don't really watch military movies. <laughs> okay. You lived it. You don't need yeah. to watch them. <laughs> what was the one with uh, the comedians in the 80s with the RV, the Winnebago? Stripes. Yes. There Stripes. You go. <laughs> there we go. Stripes. Favorite job to do in the brewery? Brew. Least favorite job to do in the brewery? Can. <laughs> okay. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm about a week away from my first canning line at my job, so <laughs> good to hear that. And then our favorite quick sip question. Dan, have you ever seen a UFO, Bigfoot, a ghost, anything inexplicable? Um, no, sorry. <sighs> Sorry, right, man. Yeah, I, I always fish with that question, and I've come up short every time. One of these days, man. Even if I knew, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> Dan, we're going to start with the Rogan beer. Uh, what can you tell us about this this uh, traditional rye lager? So Rogan beer itself is a historic beer. Um, it's not typically brewed anymore. Uh, I think there's probably some areas that will do it. Um, and this is our take on it or my take on it. So a Rogan beer itself is using rye malt when you kind of look at the purity law for Germany, you're not supposed to use rye, Mm-mm-mm-mm. but this is a German beer <laughs> and this is the one exception in it. So this one, I used a little bit of uh, caramel rye. Well, not a little, it was 50, 50 caramel rye with uh, two track pale malts. And then we used our, our house lager yeast, the Augustano. Mm. It is certainly an underappreciated style. Was there kind of a uh, was there a catalyst for you wanting to to brew a style like this? Well, I mean, background wise, a lot of people didn't think we did loggers or could do loggers. I mean, we originally started as only a wild fermentation brewery, and then we opened up a little more towards mixed firms. We did. Uh, fruited ales, and then we did stouts. Um, and typically we did imperial stouts. We're always the ones, thick imperial stouts. So I would probably say what are we best known for is not lagers. It would be imperial stouts, wild ales, and uh, sours. So this was also, uh, we run 18 lines at uh, our tap room. And this is one of those kind of beers that we do as like an education kind of aspect, but then also have one that just rotates through. I mean, we we do what you you have get in the woods. Um, that that's going to be one of our mainstays, which is the next one. Uh, and then the other one we do is uh, Southern Lights, 
It's a New Zealand Pilsner. So those are kind of like the covert standards for lagers. I don't, I think, I think that's something I find common with, with breweries that start or have a large focus on a mixed fermentation, a, a wild ale program is that lagers are really enticing to them as well, because that finite fine tuned process that goes into making wild ale or mixed fermentation, or just dealing with those really specific processes really lends to the processes that goes with lager because it's a longer fermentation time. There's less area for mistakes. And if you do make mistakes, they're going to shine through really well, because even though this is pretty dark beer, dark Brown, some may say black, uh, it's four and a half percent. And uh, if there was a glaring fault in this beer, it would, it would jump out, but there, um, there are none. So let's go back to the start of the brewery. We've talked to a lot of brewery founders over this last year, but I can't remember any of them coming specifically from the intelligence community. So what led you to wanting to open a brewery? Um, me and my wife, we, we lived in Germany for about five years. She lived in Germany for probably like 10 and she had went to school in France. So while we were there, I had worked with various different operations around Europe and became really good friends with uh, one of the a Belgian soldier. And it just so happened he was a part owner of a brewery over there. We had gotten to know them really well and they kind of showed me the ropes inside and out. I mean, I had home brewed. Um, they were known also for doing stouts, like ice stouts, ice box. They're also known for doing some wild ales. So I, it was kind of showing me that and they're the ones of all things, it wasn't Cantillon or Dree, they were the ones who showed me how, how to sour a beer and how to do blending. So one day we had just been talking to him and I had helped out for, I don't know, a few years. And he was like, so when are you going to finally take the step and actually open a brewery? So, and, and that kind of, uh, kind of triggered it. Now we have had a brewery before and that brewery was in a small town in Iowa with my parents. And I, I, I don't know, it wasn't in the cards for us to work with my parents. <laughs> so uh, eventually we sold our shares and we were in Sioux Falls. So we decided to open Covert. It was a, well, we're still in the same warehouse. We have a second warehouse over here also that we use for the barrel house. We're still on the west side of Sioux Falls and we decided to do that in 2018. And we've definitely enjoyed it. I mean, we've made it past, what is it, the two or three mark year mark to determine if you are going to make it. Uh, I think that was during COVID, though. So I, I, don't, I don't know how that plays in or how that works. I think anybody who survived COVID. Mm. It, adds like, it adds like two or three years. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> like doubles its compounding factors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why Sioux Falls? Why did, why did you end up in Sioux Falls? Well, so my parents lived in Iowa, so just right over the border from Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls is actually on the east side, southeast side. So we kind of border very close to Iowa, and we're maybe like 40 minutes from Nebraska. So we didn't want to live in Iowa, so <laughs> we bought a place in downtown Sioux Falls that we like. Uh, I mean, before we moved to Iowa, when we came back to the States... 
we lived in Austin, Texas, and we get that a lot of like, why didn't we open the brewery in Austin, Texas? And it's actually a good question. <laughs> we, uh, we could have, uh, but every time we would go up and visit Sioux Falls, um, since it was the biggest city, well, it is the biggest city in South Dakota, but uh, it, it's the biggest city within that area outside of Omaha that uh, we had been there before um, and friendly town booming. And we knew if we could get into this market, it's just going to grow so much. I mean, we have an Amazon facility that is just being, I think it's finished now. So they're building five more, I wouldn't say skyscrapers, like 12 story buildings just around our tap room. So it's definitely growing. Plus uh, really cool downtown scene. So downtown is what really sold it to us. And the fact that, uh, I guess six years ago, we could afford a house downtown <laughs> was also key. Awesome. So looking at your logo itself, the Covert logo ties into the intelligence community, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the logo and how the brand ties into both your and your wife's backgrounds? Yeah, sure. Um, so my wife's unit when she was in Iraq was called Sly Fox and it was a fox itself. So the colors are classification colors that um, not only Department of Defense, but all agencies will use. Green is unclassified, blue is classified, red is secret, and then orange is top secret. Um, it goes a little further in other colors, but I mean, those were the four colors that we chose to go with. The triangles itself is kind of a nod to where I ended up um, doing more geospatial stuff. So I do a lot of vector designs. I do a lot of rasters. So it was a, a nod to the vector aspect of it. And actually our original logo was a line-based one with multiple colors. And I do not, I think Stacy took everything that would have had that one down to the tap room. So sorry, today's trivia. So being at the tap room was not, it's not the best idea for this. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, at uh, Trivia Tuesdays. That's how it goes. Yep. <laughs> I also noticed on the cans, both the cans that we're drinking tonight have a very faint etching of the two uh, flags where each of the styles are coming from. Do all of your cans have that like flag kind of faded in the background? No, uh, a lot of the ones we have now are um, geometric patterns with, with our logo on it itself. That This one was one that we were kind of playing around with the idea on. And there's a story of the name of Get Into the Woods that you'll be able to hear when, when we hit into that beer, I guess. But, <laughs> but no, a lot of it with these two beers, especially them going out, we kind of wanted to also clarify. I mean, these only went to you. I think we only had like a couple cases that maybe went to the tap room. And then uh, Rogan Beer is on draft at the tap room. And then get into the woods has already been kicked. I mean that that ended last month. Wow! So uh, pretty cool that we were able to get a hold of these and send them out to our beer club subscribers and give people the opportunity to try these. I'm I Rogan Beer is not like a style that I like seek out, but it's not something I definitely turn away from. I'm very very much enjoying this beer tonight. Well, like I said too, it's it's our take on the Rogan Beer. I mean, don't expect to go to Germany, especially the east side of Germany, and be like, wow, 
this tastes nothing like the one Cobra did. So, <laughs> we, we, so it was inspired by the Rogan beer. Plus, it's an historic beer. So usually with historic beers, they're definitely skewed in different ways. So I want to get into a little bit of Sioux Falls talk this week marks the start of the second annual Sioux Falls Craft Beer Week. Uh, If people didn't know, South Dakota is not a state with a ton of breweries. Uh, Literally one third of the the breweries are in the Sioux Falls, uh, in the city of Sioux Falls. So I, as an outsider, I think this is probably a big week for for craft beer in in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota in general. So as a brewery owner, as a brewer, in Sioux Falls, what gets you excited about Craft Beer Week, especially the, the second iteration of it? So we kind of did some stuff. So we're, um, South Dakota itself, especially in the beer scene, is definitely split. You'll, you'll hear South Dakotans say East River and West River. You have the Missouri River splitting the state. And there's this thing in the middle of South Dakota called the Badlands that there's not a lot of population in it. So you will have Sioux Falls to say like Rapid City or Spearfish. You're talking a five, five and a half hour drive. So those Rapid City area and Sioux Falls are like the two big areas that you'll have as actual beer scenes. So what we did was this year, we actually are doing two collabs. We just did a collab with Cohort Brewing on, well, yesterday. And then we're doing a collab on Thursday with looks. So um, these are two beers that they typically wouldn't do. Um, They're both doing it at my location. So we're actually doing uh, mixed fermentation. So a co-pitch of Saccharomyces and Lacto, the ones that we've harvested, others that we actually have included. So that by chance, we actually, well, not by chance, we, we requested and we have, we kind of did a couple of their beers he brought over and we put them on tap. So those are on for this week. And I think we are releasing two beers this week, a blueberry Danish. Um, and this one is like an alternative grain beer, kind of like a, a rice beer almost, but with cream cheese and blueberries. When did you add the cream cheese? Secondary. How was how fun was that cleaning that out of your out of your bright tank or your or your fermenter? Well, we we do a lot of crazy kind of styles like that, so you get kind of accustomed to it. But that wasn't the crazy aspect of it. This one was more steaming three hundred pounds of jasmine rice and then adding koji rice, which is a spore that creates an enzyme on it. So it could actually be fermented. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Wow. And it, was, it was a complete <laughs> one. That was more of the pain than the cream cheese. <laughs> I guess wow. I just have it on the mind because we talked to, uh, we talked to skip from Wildworks last week and he, they were talking about this custom made piece of equipment that they use only for coconuts, uh, not coconuts, but coconut material. So I just thought, you know, cream cheese, that's gotta be, that's going to be crazy to work with. We did a stout where we do about a pound per gallon of either toasted coconut, macerated coconut, or coconut chips. So in the tank itself, we had about 150 pounds. And for us, we just have a very large pump that we just recirculate in it. And then we have 
a couple large two gallon inline filters that we use when transferring from them. So I think everybody has different approaches. I definitely don't have Weldworks money to, to buy this tank. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to hear like all the different like styles that you do. I have been very excited to open up this next beer. Brian, are you, are you ready for beer number two? I am. All right, let's crack into the second one. Dan, what can you tell us about the Get Into the Woods? So I'm I'm a huge fan of Tamave Pivos. And if, if I have to go to Colorado, Beerstad, and then what is the <laughs> other one? Starts with the C, I think. Well, they do slow pours. They do true lagers, meaning true lagers, they do decoction mashes where mm-hmm. they pull off a portion heat it up to caramelize them. And we've done that in small cases on it. I mean, we have an electric brew system, so I'm not really taking the thick mash and moving over to my boil kettle. But we took portions off and heated it up in about a one barrel system to get that going and then transfer it back up to increase the heat. So we did that to get the different caramel kind of notes, but not really caramel. It's just, I know it's very unique. Uh, It's got a, it's, Got really good body, good mouthfeel, I think. Mm-hmm. Trying to remember from last month. <laughs> it just fades that nice, roasty, almost like black bread crust. It's awesome. This is a fantastic lager, man. Mm. And that was the first time we had made that one. <laughs> Same thing with the Rogan beer. So, yeah. <laughs> Two first tries. I think, I think, I think you uh, knocked, knocked them both out of the park. Jeez. I think, well, I mean, we, we usually have a summers, we have a high demand of there's some in Sioux Falls, we have this thing called the Levitt. It's an outdoor amphitheater. Um, it does 50 free concerts a year. There's like, uh, it's a foundation. I think there might be like nine other cities that have the same thing, but they do sell alcohol there. And last year we were on hook to provide a hazy IPA, fruited seltzer, I thought we did something else, but I mean, that was last year. So I, but I, I know we had those two things going through. So a lot of time our, our tanks are kind of full. You don't really have a, have time to, to logger something for a long time. So we kind of took advantage of that during winter, fall, winter, and then now spring. Well, not what we will in spring, but uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of traction on the loggers. Um, we're not obnoxious on it. I mean, we're selling them for like four pack of 16 ounce cans for 12 bucks out of the tap room. So it's, it's oh, just yeah. something we do and people can get, it. we, everybody needs a table beer. We do other beers and those are the ones that we focus on, but, uh, it's, we try to pick up one thing each year to just add to our catalog and then continually doing it. Nice. Was this the first time you've done a decoction or, you know, your version of a decoction in a, in a beer that was uh, packaged? Yeah. Yeah. I, that was the first time doing that. So, I mean, there was, it, it's fun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change on how it's being done. Fun is a fun is a fun way to describe <laughs> it. Well, I mean, we also make spontaneous beers, so Lambic. So if, if you really want to get down to it, a turbid mash is With a tur- oh, okay. Yeah. A, uh, decoction mash. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You had Brian Atlantic. 
Oh yeah, we we've we've touched on this on the show that that if we could get into the lambic thing, and I will never shut up. But that that that's awesome that you do traditional turbid mash. And do you do the ridiculous like four hour long boil and and all that that goes into you know work yeah, production yeah. for those? True, true. I mean, we we've, we've experimented also with like high temperatures and mashing, so you have less fermentable sugars that the long chains for whatever bugs and wild yeast that you've picked up that it has something to chew on. But uh, yeah, we probably have, I mean, for us, it's kind of big, but we have 20, 20 barrels stocked. This year we'll be doing our first three-year blend of spontaneous ale. Um, but last year we did a two-year blend. Good for you. Very goozy, but we're, we're not going to go for the registered trademark to, to do method traditional we like to say we do method modern. <laughs> <laughs> so that way we can also do other things like loggers, mix firms, and then pivot to the way of like fruited sours that might not be super sour, but um, it pays for barrels <laughs> to do my other pet projects. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> as much as is the three of us might want to wax poetically about spontaneous fermentation and all the sweet processes around those. Let's be honest. There's not many breweries in the world where those types of beers are keeping the lights on at, at those places. So like, Oh no, uh, definitely. I mean, I've, I've even went out and talked to primitive beer about that also. I mean, they 100% do that. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could have done that model. We looked at doing that model where we would contract brew or, just gypsy brew at somebody's location and then bring it over to the cool ship. But I mean, you're, you're also realizing, or you need to realize that South Dakota itself has less than 1 million people in it. So when you put the population to the amount of breweries, I think we may have like 30 some breweries for a million people. Um, but we're, we're very much tourism state also. Mm -hmm. So the big times of when you're selling and doing releases and having stuff, is going to be your spring to fall time frame, which yeah. was really good to us during COVID because South Dakota didn't shut down. So we actually had a lot of tourism coming through. I know my staff wasn't super excited about it. We were one of the few places that actually did mass, that we wore a mass. Uh, a lot of downtown was doing mass, but I mean, South Dakota was pretty big about not doing that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. uh, but we did, and we lost some business because of it, but. It, it's a big deal if, if the staff gets sick because then we're out for at least two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, just 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 so people are aware, the Brewers Association claims that last year uh, South Dakota had 42 total breweries, but they had 6.6 .6 breweries per capita, which puts them at number 10 in the country for breweries per capita. So if you want to talk about strong beer scene that people are sleeping on, it's absolutely South Dakota. So. I think I know what the answer is going to be to this question, but if you could brew one style for the rest of your life, what would it be? Money doesn't matter. You're not brewing it to, you know, fund the brewery and be able to pay your employees and pay your bills. You, Dan, just get to brew whatever you want for the rest of your life, but it has to be just one style. If I had to choose one style, you're probably thinking it would be like spontaneous beers or wild ales, but it actually wouldn't be that because, I mean, you pretty much have the same base for it that you're going to go. Um, you're not really adjusting that much. 
that would probably be, it'd probably be stouts, um, imperial stouts. So that way we, I would just do different threads and blend those together. Would Stacy say the same? She likes <laughs> brewing wild ales <laughs> um, because typically on those, you're only dealing with maybe a 90 minute boil, max two hours. Uh, our stouts and barley wines, um, it, it takes a long time. So before we had a three barrel system and we were doing a double mash. Um, now we have, we upgraded to a four barrel system, but with an oversized mash ton. So we can fit roughly around 700, 800 pounds of grain if we need to into, into that itself. Um, but typically when we do stouts um, and barley wines, the minimum boil time we'll do is anywhere from it's six hours probably is the shortest that we'll do, mm. but the longest that we've actually had is 24 that we'll do. So, wow. And we'll just have different threads based off of that, that we put into barrels to blend in. So for, for context folks at home at my brewery, they did a 15 barrel batch of Kolsch a couple of weeks ago. And I believe they put about 700 pounds of grain into that in 15 <laughs> barrels. So 700 to 800 pounds of grain in a four barrel batch. Is that so that's a big, that's a big fucking beer. Well, you said money wasn't a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But no, usually, and the one thing I like about doing stouts is you, I guess the expectation is you, you could sell them for a little more, especially if you're putting time in. It's not like you're going to take a lager and throw a ridiculous amount of vanilla into that. But you could do that for a stout. Or you could do other adjuncts of coconut. I mean, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is when you add stuff as like coconut or even hops for hazy IPAs, you lose a large amount of a volume that's going to be coming. So if you were doing, say, a five barrel batch, you're only yielding maybe four or three and a half. Um, and if you add something else to that, you're, you're losing even more. So and what we'll do is we trade a layer stuff in. So we treat it kind of like a, a baking aspect. So if we're going to do a Neapolitan stout, which we've never done, I don't, I don't know why I brought that up. Um, I'm not a big fruit in the stout kind of person. <laughs> um, although we had a popular banana stout that we did. We would first probably layer chocolate since that one isn't the most delicate, then layer it. So just have cocoa nibs. Cocoa nibs is pretty much what I go for. Um, and then recirculate that for four or five days, then fold in say strawberry, strawberry puree, probably, probably do that at maybe a pound per gallon of it. And then probably do about a pound of vanilla beans per barrel. So if we were doing, typically when we do our stouts, we do double batches. So we'll do eight barrels. And the reason for that is eight barrels, we can fill um, actual four, four oak barrels. So we can have those. So typically, I'm not a huge fan of releasing a non-barrel aged style. We do it as a tap filler, um, but the ones where I enjoy are where you're actually putting stuff into oak. Usually for oak, we do anywhere from shortest one year and then longest is about two years for, for the stouts. Awesome. So you brought up a couple of things looking ahead already and some 
like Fruitsy, I'm done yet. What is coming down the pipe for you guys over there at Covert in 2023? Like looking ahead into the future, we're only like what, 38 days into this year so far. What are you excited for in 2023? Spring for no snow. <laughs> yes. We're definitely in February and uh, in, I imagine in Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, you definitely have that, The I wouldn't say darkness, but you just have this cloud of, uh, I need to get out of here. Um, Stacy actually, uh, I had gotten her for her birthday that she could go to Austin, Texas to go visit some friends. So she gets to escape this weekend. So that will be nice for her. But ironically, last week was we're watching the news. They had that huge ice storm and I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Hopefully that's gone when you get there. So because you're not really getting a release. Uh, but what do we have planned for this year? Um, I guess trying to do more base beers. We never did um, consistent beers in that aspect. Actually, we were known as the brewery that don't get attached to something because we'll probably never brew it again. We were always experimenting with new fruits, new techniques, new styles, new adjuncts. Um, And then this year, I mean, we have a tremendous amount of wild ales that we're gonna break into. You know, we have some that are probably have about four 600 liter punchins that are pushing four years. So we're gonna be doing a lot of blends. This year we should be doing potentially 10 to 20 wild ale releases. Um, we're gonna be having a lot of stouts that will be coming out, barrel aged stouts, lagers. We're gonna continue playing around with hops. Uh, we, we don't contract our hops, but uh, we have good relationships with breweries that do out of state. Um, so we're going to get to play with some fun hops. If we get hops, we use Crosby hops, which are New Zealand style hops. Um, oh, the Crosby. So, yep. And uh, so we'll, we'll play around with some new New Zealand style IPAs that are going to be coming out just for, for the summer, but um, we're, we're kind of leaning more, pivoting more to, since we have 18 taps, that it wouldn't be a bad thing to have four New England style IPAs on. Um, we're looking at destroying potentially to Nebraska. We've been asked by a distributor for that. So now that we're doing more canning, we can easily get that stuff down to them. But I think primarily they're wanting a lot of the wild ales and stouts. So uh, we do pretty good on that thing called untapped, which has been pretty fortunate for us. But we're, we're not growing. We're not expanding to another location. Um, I guess the craziest thing that might happen in the downtown area is I think we're adding uh, pizzas. Like people can get pizzas. Like in general? Yeah. Just the, yeah. General. Just, uh, do you not have pizza well, in South Dakota? You're getting, no, you're getting no, I mean, a pizza in, store in our tap room. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've never, <laughs> South Dakota's never had any pizza. This is a new thing. This just came from, just came straight from Iowa. It's crazy. No. It's nuts. Straight from here. Like only, only uh, Philadelphia has stuff like that, right? <laughs> we actually have a lot of really good pizza places. Um, and, We've partnered up with some that are, are going to be doing pizzas for us. Um, there's like a loophole. We don't have a kitchen, so you have like a small area. 
but as a grocer's license, you can, you can do frozen pizzas. So we're having some pizza stores locally make us custom ones. We're going to try to have fun with it. Kind of do uh, Bob's burgers kind of name where it's the pizza of the month and our witty staff, Stacy can come up with some names on that. Oh yeah. That, that, that just reminded me that uh, you mentioned uh, fruited hard seltzer earlier. I was looking at your menu and I, um, I, very much love that you have a seltzer called Jason Mimosa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to come up with names sometimes, but that one was really easy. That just, <laughs> that was just, oh yeah, why, this, this is an overrated. Let's do that. Look, the brewery I work at, we, we spent, uh, we probably had a 50 or 60 long message thread last night, just figuring out what we're going to name the cream ale that we're releasing next week. And, you know, sometimes it's very hard to come up with names that a million people haven't used already. And also a name that isn't like, I don't know, too serious. If you're naming things like Jason Mimosa, I think people get the vibe of, of the place, you know? Yeah, but it's also a seltzer. So, I mean, we, we, we try to do some kind of playful names for, for those. Uh, I think we take it a little more serious when it comes to the wild ales. Stouts, it's not very, I mean, we, our base stouts that we have are Pillow Fort, Pillow Camp, and Fluffy Town. So, I mean, mm. um, community <laughs> references. Yes. Yeah. But uh, there is a brewery in North Dakota that now distros to South Dakota and they have a beer called Fluffy Town. So, we cannot release a beer that's called Barrel Age Fluffy Town. Instead, it will be renamed but those are still internal names that we use and then when it comes to that it's like well pretty soon or maybe in a month or two we'll have uh so we do fort so if it's the pillow fort series it's fort something that will have fort mounds which is not unique it's like a mounds bar so or coffee cake or no big cookie or banana boat so those are all ones uh i know Later this year, we will have a VPT, Velocipaster Tim. <laughs> uh, if you've never seen Velocipaster, <laughs> it's probably like the best C movie ever in the world that has like a budget of $30,000. <laughs> so on Christmas, we watch Velocipaster at the tap room. We do like a uh, bottle share. We open some stuffs up. Um, and the first time we, we did this, uh, we were maybe 10 minutes into it and there's a regular among beer scene to all breweries is a guy named Pastor Tim. Well, lo and behold, he walks in and everybody kind of pauses, stops, looks. He's like, what are you watching? Uh, <laughs> the loss of Pastor. <laughs> what is it about? <laughs> Pastor that turns into a velociraptor and kills bad people, but is in a relationship with a uh, prostitute slash doctor slash pre-law <laughs> it's the taxi driver of uh <laughs> so dinosaur movies yeah so uh and there's ninjas <laughs> there's just oh, perfect it just keeps getting yes i was worried but, there wouldn't be it's it, it's definitely worth watching i think it's on amazon uh for free so uh this this little movie that could 30,000 and COVID just exploded. And I think they made millions by selling it to Amazon. 
And they're going to do great. a Velocitaster too, and they're just trying to raise money to get like a hundred thousand dollars. They're thinking we could do this with three times the budget. Oh my god! We'll imagine what Italy. they can do. <laughs> well, anyway, he watched it, and he was like, "Oh, we'll watch it." And he likes it, so every year now we watch Velocipaster with Pastor Tim. So we are going to do a Velocipaster Timarasu, a tiramisu based stout. <laughs> Wonderful. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about the beer scene, the pizza scene, and, and touched a little bit on the tourism that, that surrounds Sioux Falls and South Dakota. But what is one thing that you wished uh, Sioux Falls was more well known for? Covert Arts Nails. You can't, you, I can't be here. <laughs> you said beer I scene. guess I, I guess I can't be here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Sioux Falls is definitely a, a beer destination. So it just in the downtown area, we have five breweries. So if you stayed downtown, you could easily walk to five different breweries, great restaurants. If you're really big into running, um, we actually have a trail that goes around the entire city of Sioux Falls. It's a green belt all the way around that I want to say might be 28 or 30 miles. So we have a lot of people that will do biking, will do running, kayaking through the Big Sioux. We have a lot of big, well, I wouldn't say they're big tournaments, but we have a lot of places to do uh, Frisbee golf, golfing. There's a lot. It, it's really big into hunting, but I, I'm, I'm not big into hunting. So that, that doesn't really do it for me. That's how I feel. That's how I feel here in Allegheny County. Un- unlimited doe tags in, in my county. But yeah. So Sioux Falls does have hiking, but we're the flat side of South Dakota. There is definitely hiking in Spearfish Hill City. I think we have a ski hill. What is a big, big bear mountain or big bear hill? The Polyacs probably know. They're, you're from Sioux Falls. Very, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very much showing the Iowa, Nebraska adjacent side of uh, of South Dakota. We we actually have a really good music scene. I mean, it's not a music scene that you would expect like in Austin, but we have a lot of local musicians, and we also have a lot of people um, traveling musicians that will stop in Sioux Falls as a midway point to say getting to Denver. So we have a really really good shows at some just small dive bar areas, but then also street musicians through and through. So now we have a lot of jazz um, and we have a lot of like Latin music that will be at the Levitt itself also, but some pretty good headliners too. So I, I would probably say that. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Where can people find, we, we've touched on this, but to just kind of bring us full circle. Where can people find Covert Artisan Ales beer? We do go through Tavor, um, but otherwise uh, we do self-distribution. We do one of those things where if we have a good relationship with the business owners, we distribute to them. Um, so they're the, I guess we should add that to our website of what places we have, but we're so focused on making beers that just, just doing that might take away. I don't know. 
Um, but always, I mean, if you're trying to support any brewery, even if it may be local, the best way to do that is just to go to the brewery and buy stuff to go because that's where you're getting, getting the most bang for your buck. If you're living off of distribution alone, you're, you're supporting a, a liquor store or a grocery store or another bar that's getting that large cut. You're not getting much out of that at all. Yep. Well, thanks, Dan, for helping us kick off our uh, Route 29 and Route 35 trifecta. We've done Kansas City. We've done Omaha. We've done Des Moines. We've done the Twin Cities. And now we're getting ready to complete that. Did I say trifecta? That's more than three cities. We're, we're getting ready to complete that little pack of the Midwest. That is I, I, I-80, I-90, 29, and 35 with Sioux Falls. So thank you so much. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, thanks, AJ, for joining us this month. We got three more shows after this with you. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Covart Artisan Ales and Cellars for supplying the beer for this episode, as well as for our beer club subscribers. You can go to bruvana.com and explore your subscription options and get uh, great beers like these shipped to you on a monthly basis. We'll be back next week, of course, with uh, another great Sioux Falls brewery. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and support local breweries, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.